We hope that this message will help guide you toward positive, Christ-centered change. By reviewing this podcast, you could be part of spreading the good news. Please also consider giving a donation to our ministry at cometoabc.com slash giving. As always, these messages are available to copy and share on social networks. All right, let's begin with prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word that inspires, encourages, and tells us what and how we should live. And Lord, we ask that we do that today. Help my words to be your words. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. So we are talking about rethinking, but I got a picture here for you before that. I've got a couple of pictures. Okay. Does anyone know what this is? Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Love. True love. <laughs> I butchered it. But anyways. Uh, how many of you know that movie, The Princess Bride? You've seen it before? Uh, some of you have probably seen it a lot. It's a funny movie, but the, the priest stands up, and he's going to do this wedding that shouldn't be happening, and he just starts speaking at that point, and he has this difficulty talking, and he says love instead of love, and dream within a dream, and he's talking about marriage. Uh, so that whenever I do a wedding, it's so tempting to start that merit, that, that, that speech and say, marriage is what brings us together today. <laughs> I haven't done it yet, but I have some brothers that are getting married soon, so. <laughs> okay, it's a stupid lifelong dween that I have. Um, okay, how many of you know what this show is? What, what is this show? Do you guys realize there's only like 39 episodes of this? And you're watching the same ones over and over again? Um, and you have Ralph and Alice crammed in. And I don't know if you can see it back there. What is he saying? One of these days, Alice. Yeah, I'm a, what does he say? Bam, pow, to the moon or something? To the moon! Which is really not nice if you think about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of scary. So, so you have this, and I know it's a comedy, it was funny and everything else. And I, I've seen some of the reruns. I wasn't around when it first came out. I know that's hard to believe. Um, but yeah, that's, that was a show. A show that was s- around the same time. Show, show this next one. Do you guys know what show this was from? Leave it, leave it to Beaver, right? And we have June and Ward. That rhymes with Beaver. I don't, they weren't very incredibly creative with the names then. I saw a picture of, of little Beav. He's not little anymore. He's like 70. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but he still looks like the same kid. Like if you saw him on the street, you'd look at him and go, oh, that's weird. <laughs> but yeah, so, so what was the difference in the relationship between these two husband and wife? Was, it, was there a difference? One was like, bam, pow, to the moon. What, what would you say this relationship was more like? Loving, understanding, a lot of open communication, grace. If you were going to pick, and I know it's TV, so it's all fake, right? But if you were going to pick your marriage to resemble one of these pictures, which one would you be choosing? <laughs> she said Alice. <laughs> I, I, I think I would lean this direction, right? And I know it's not as candy perfect as that show presented it to be. It, it, life can't be that way. But, but I think that there our differences when we think about marriage. It was interesting, when Emily and I got engaged, people came up to us and said, wow, you know, you're really in love right now. 
and, and that's great, you get married, but you just wait. <laughs> and I was like, for what? Well, you just wait. Things will change. And they get this look of like anger and terror mixed in their face. And they would get their finger, and, and I had a, a number of couples that were telling me that from the church. I think Emily had the same thing happen. And, and you know what it told me? That at their home, it was bam, pow, to the moon. <laughs> that this, their life was that you just wait, things are going to go poorly type of life. And, and I think they lived their life with that idea. Like, th- they, they eventually saw, well, yeah, yeah life is hard, and, and marriage is hard work, and, and, and maybe it isn't what I dreamed or thought it would be. And so now I have this negative perspective. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to help a lot of young people by telling them they should have a negative perspective about marriage. Yeah. So they're saying, you just wait, you know, a couple of years. Oh, you just wait. You have kids now. You just wait. Things are going to go rough. You just wait. It's going to get worse. Thank you. Do you want to come to our wedding? (laughs) Like, thank you so much for that gift of your grace and knowledge. And, And it was the same people that I heard talking about their husband or wife when they're standing right next to them in a joking manner saying things that were put downish, right? They're saying things that were, you know, she never does this or he never does this. Or, and, and I sat there and thought about that and I realized that, you know, their relationship wasn't horrible. Their marriage wasn't horrible. But what they were doing in that moment was undermining it. They were, they were picking away at that brick. They were taking a hammer to that wall and yeah, if you've been married for any length of time, there are going to be times where you disagree. There are going to be times where you don't see eye to eye. And there are going to be hard things that you go through in life. And we don't know what to expect when it comes to marriage. And we don't know what lies ahead. But I think we're called to something different as Christians. I don't think we're called to the ball and chain mentality. I don't think we're called to sitting down, uh, you know, with the guys and, and, and talking about how our wife is pitiful. Or sitting down with the gals and, and talking about how your husband's a, a pig or a jerk. I, I don't think that that's a good idea scripturally. Are, are we on the same page? How many think that's bad? And, and maybe you're not married yet. Maybe you've been married before and you've gone through difficult things. But, but if you're going to get married eventually, I think what you really want is a gospel-centered marriage. I think what you want is a gospel-centered marriage, one that isn't built on me, but built on we. So you and your spouse and who else? God, right? So we really need God in order to have the healthy relationships that he wants us to have. Now, the rest of the world is going to tell you to, to wait to get married, to try things out, to, to do all these different things. And are you sure you want to get married? You know, the, the national age for marriage is going up higher and higher, and the divorce rate is going up higher and higher at the same time. There's a devaluation of marriage, but I think part of it is because we haven't talked about how good it is. We haven't talked about how God-honoring it is, and we haven't talked about why we do it. You realize that, that marriage is binding yourself in a relationship with somebody else who's different than you. And the longer you're married, the more you realize how different they are than you, but at the same time, you're growing together and becoming more similar. Marriage is a unique bond of unity that God has presented to us in order to showcase the gospel. And we'll get into that in a little bit. He's going to 
We're going to see in Ephesians, so if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to Ephesians. It's, it's one of the letters that Paul writes. In fact, he writes this when he's in prison. And he's writing it to a church, the church of Ephesus, but he's also writing it to other churches. He knows this will be passed around. So he knows, he did, I don't know if he knew we would be reading it eventually, but he knew other people would be reading it. And so he goes into this, this spiritual talk about practical things. This, this discussion of how we're to be led by the Spirit. And we're talking about rethinking and how we need to adjust our thinking. We need to change the way we think because how we think eventually leads into how we act. And, and whatever we do and whatever decisions we make really come fundamentally from the way we view the world and how we think about the world. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go to cometoabc.com and, and look at that message because that's really the foundation, the, the pillar of understanding of how we're to change the way we think, how we're to rethink. And I'm not talking about thinking something into existence. What I'm talking about is allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and change your mind and change your heart and show you the world for how it really is. Because we don't know what we don't know. And we don't see what we don't see until God opens up our eyes and shows us there's a different way. Some of you were raised in households where uh, the husband and wife were great and, and they loved each other. Mom and dad were great. And, and some of you were not raised in that. You are raised in difficult times where it was more like it was a war all the time until the divorce happened. And, and, and so it's hard to really know what we're to do. And everything in between those two things, you know, we talked about the Cleavers and the Cramden, Camdens. Cramdens? Cramdens. And, and, and everything in between, there's all this spectrum of relationship. And, and some of us haven't really seen the proper model for marriage and how it's to work. And I think as Christians, not only should we see that model, we should be it so that the world says there's something different about them. Their marriage is different. Their love for each other is different. Their commitment is different. And I believe it really begins with Christ. So what I'm sharing with you today, I think is impossible to do yourself. Okay? What I'm telling you today is impossible for you to do on your own. But through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and through being in His Word, our lives can improve by that. Now, God designed marriage, and I've talked about it before. Adam and Eve, you know, it's pretty easy for them to figure out that they were the right ones for each other. They were the only ones for each other. And, and so they didn't have all that contest of trying to figure it out. They knew each other, but they had a relationship that God created and God designed. And if you're in a marriage today, I want you to think the same way Adam and Eve thought. That person that's with you is the only one that's for you. And he designed and built you and put you together for each other. So, with that in mind, we're going to jump into Ephesus, Ephesians, the, the letter to Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, chapter 5, verse 21. And this is a, a verse that everyone loves to avoid, okay? But we're talking about spirit-guided relationships of wives and husbands. It says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Christ. This means that you rank yourself under your spouse. You're no longer number one. Their needs become more important than your needs. They get the first and best. When, when there's uh, a donut that you split in half, you give them the larger part of it, right? Some of you are shaking your head no. At least you're being honest, right? 
when there's leftover pizza in the refrigerator, you go and sneak it real fast before they can get it, right? <laughs> and and, and for, for you women, when there's chocolate, you just don't let your husband know it's in the house. <laughs> uh, what we're talking about, you know, that's humorous, but, but really how it plays out is you first, no, you first, no, you first, no, you first. You ever seen one of those things where two people try to fit the, through the door at the same time? Like one of those comedy bits, you know, they get locked up in the door. Or have you ever been in that, that, that generosity war at, at a door where you're like, no, you go in, no, you go in, and then you, you want to punch the other person, right? You go, no, I'm going to be the bigger person. No, you go in. It, that's kind of what it's supposed to look like. You first. My needs come second. You first. And if both of you are doing this, it works beautifully. But we're not in charge of the other person. We're not in charge of the other spouse. All we are in charge of is ourselves. So when I'm talking about this, I don't want you to think about how your wife should be better or how your husband should be better. I want you to think about what you can do according to the word of God to improve your marriage. So rank yourself under your spouse and further submit to to one another out of reverence for Christ. So are we doing this because they're nice people? So my wife is nice, therefore I will submit and help her out and I'll put her first. Is that why? Why are we doing this? Reverence for Christ. So who are we doing this really for ultimately? Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And all the men, if they're smart, do not say amen right now. <laughs> but, but this is sometimes where we stop and, and where I've heard other speakers stop in the explanation of this because we like that part as guys sometimes. Like we can all go home and we can just use that verse. You'll put it on the refrigerator We'll put it on the window, you know, wherever they are. That way they can know that they need to listen to us. What does it say further? Let's go into it a little bit deeper. Let's, let's go, back to, go back one more slide. I want to read that again. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And then next it says, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. And this is where sometimes they cut it off. And, and, and we're going, well, yeah, well, because Christ is the head of this, then, then the man's the head of the house, and, and women need to submit to men in, in leadership. And, and, and this is all going on. But realize that this comes after we're to submit one to another. And where is our greatest submission in our life supposed to be? Where is, where is the ultimate submission coming from? It's coming from God, right? So some of us are trying to live this verse out without first submitting to God. Guys, there's a lot of men out there that are trying to lead their family by this verse. They just take it out of context, and they say, well, now you must submit to me, and I've made the final decision, and this is where I'm going with this plan, and, and you just out of reverence for me have to obey this. And that is not what the scripture says. It says the man is to submit to God first and foremost. So that's where the requirement comes in for men. And I want you to realize, men, that you are called to leadership, but leadership is not always fun. Amen? Leadership is assuming responsibility for everything around you. And it's assuming responsibility that you are getting a vision and a clear idea of how your family is to go and how it's to be led, not from your own mind or not from some speaker up on a platform or not from five-step plan, but instead from God himself. And that's what you're accountable for. 
And when you stand before Christ, he's going to say, did you do this out of reverence for me? Did you submit yourself to your wife? Did you look at what was going on in your family? And did you lead spiritually the way you were called to lead spiritually? And unfortunately, a lot of men have let this mantle pass. And they have said, well, we go to church. Well, that's good. Your car goes to the gas station, too. But you have to assume responsibility the way that Christ is asking you to assume responsibility. So realize that within this submission, there's some seriousness to this. It's not about getting our way. In fact, I want to show you how it's not about getting our way. It is completely the opposite. You need to realize that responsibility requires and leadership requires self-denial at every turn. Self-denial and self-discipline at every turn. And, and to explain this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a lesson from the Old Testament. And how many of you remember the story of, of Queen Esther? Okay, so here's the situation. Her people are in bondage. They're, they're away in a different country. And all the Jewish people are over here in this different country. And she ends up marrying a king. And she goes through this long process. And she's not the only wife in, in this situation. There are other wives and everything else. And this king isn't even necessarily godly. She just ends up kind of getting drafted because she's the most beautiful. And she's in this situation. And, and she's asked by her father figure to go and talk to the king. And she says, I can't do this. And he says, you must or all our people will perish. She's in a position of leadership that God has placed her in for a time and for a purpose. And she goes into a situation that could kill her because she's going to address the king without a proper and formal invitation. And so she stands before the king and she says, here's what's happening. And all of my people are going to be wasted. They're all going to be killed. There's going to be a massive genocide if you follow through with this plan. And because of that, the whole nation is spared and her life is spared. And God rewards all of the people through the faith and action and leadership of Esther. But you know what it took? It took a willingness to die. It took a willingness to put her life on the line. See, self-denial is throughout the whole gospel. And we're going to see in verse 25 right here, this is what it is. This is what it is. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And here's what he did. He gave up his life for her. Now, it's easy to say, I'll take a bullet for my family. I'll, I'll take a bullet for my wife. I'll save her life. You know, I would do that in an instant. It's easy to make that thing. But when you wake up in the morning and she asks you to do something that you don't want to do, it's a little bit more difficult, right? Or when you look over and you see a situation that's a mess but needs to be addressed, maybe, maybe the house is a disaster, and, and as a husband you come home and you think, wow, this is a mess, and you, you, you leave. <laughs> no, what we're calling into is living as Christ living so not just dying but actually living for your wife loving for your wife how did Christ do this he came down out of heaven into the mess of our earth and he lived for his church and then what happened is the people he came to live for killed him killed him now he rose again he, he has that going for him but he died for his bride 
Realize that you are the bride of Christ. You have been purchased with a price by Jesus' blood. And because of that, we're called to live this way. So for husbands, this means you love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he gave up his life for her. That's self-denial, guys. That, that's putting it aside. There's a, a missionary that, that lived quite a while ago named John Sung. And John Sung first moved to the United States in 1920, and he worked on his doctorate in chemistry, and he was doing very, very well. And he started getting job offer after job offer after job offer, where he would be making a lot of money for the time. And, and as this is going on, he has a spiritual struggle, and he realizes that God is calling him to something else, and he chooses to dedicate his life completely to God. He's putting himself into denial. He's, he, he's allowing himself to change course. It says this, he had the most unusual dream in which he saw himself in a casket, and God seemed to say to him, John Sung is dead, dead to self, but alive in Christ. Then it seemed that the corpse began to stir and angels began to weep. And, and don't weep, angels, said John. I will remain, remain dead to the world and live only for Christ. And he became a mighty preacher of the gospel. And for 15 years, he was a burning and shining light in China and Southeast Asia. And he's cre he was considered the greatest Chinese evangelist ever to come into the land. But you know what that took? It took self-denial. You know what a healthy marriage takes? It takes self-denial. Too often, we're in it for what's in it for me, right? What's in it for me? What are the benefits and values that I get? But instead, this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying instead, deny yourself and become like Christ in the situation. Deny yourself and become like Christ. Now, there, were, there are probably millions right now that are saved in China, family after family, and generation after generation that know Jesus because of that man's self-denial. That death to self. And that's a process, and that's an everyday thing we have to go through. I think he's calling both spouses to that. He's calling both spouses to serve each other in that way, to, to anticipate the needs of each other, to understand each other in that way, and to seek to communicate with each other that way, and to live like you're willing to die for each other in that way, because that is a gospel-centered marriage. So verse 27 he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. You realize that you're supposed to be an illustration of the way that Jesus Christ loves the church and is united with the church. And so when you read this verse, you go, okay, so Jesus made it pure and spotless, but the church I go to has some problems. Have you ever been to a church that has some problems? A few of you are brave enough to raise your hands. Yeah, every church has problems, right? 
Does every church have blemishes, right? Is every ch- does every church have a wrinkle, right? Uh, okay, okay. If that's true, and Jesus still died for us, and he's still for us and not against us, and he still blesses our church, amen? I would say he blesses us here, right? But at the same time, I would say we're not perfect. At the same time, I would say there are issues that we always have to deal with. That there are times we don't always measure up. So here's, here's what I want you to do. The next time your husband or wife does something that doesn't quite measure up, remember that Christ accepted you while you were that way. That Jesus accepted you and he accepted the church while it did have wrinkles and spots and messed up areas. And yet he still loves. And he still calls us to love one another. And I think that's deeply important that we cover each other's faults because there is no perfect marriage, just like there is no perfect church. And it is a work in progress, and it is difficult, and it is a journey that you're called to go through together. And it is a journey that the church is called to go through together. And we don't always know what the next step is going to be. We don't always have a very clear roadmap, but we know that we're called to go through it together. So a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. So at that point, we should see each other as one. So wife, you should see your husband and say, I want the very best for him because when he succeeds, I succeed. Wife, that's what you're called to. Husband, when you see your wife, you want them to succeed. You want the very best for them so that they can do the very best. And we're called into this together, and we're called into this under God because he has called you together. There's a story of uh, Martin Luther and Zwingli, and they were at odds with each other as far as theology. So Martin Luther kind of caused the Reformation and, and helped spur that so that we're in a Protestant church here today, and, and a Christian church, some people would call it. But he allowed that to occur, and, th- and there were even battles within people and friends where they disagreed with each other, and there was one of those things going on. And Zwingli was really praying and asking God, you know, what should I do in this situation? How can I do it? And it seemed like they were at an impasse that there was no way to reconcile with each other. There was no way to make it through this situation. And they were just going to split their friendship. They were going to split their beliefs and go their own way. And he was out walking one day, and he was near a mountainside, and he was praying, and he was thinking about this, when he saw something that was interesting. Up on near the top of the mountain, he saw a goat coming down. And it was on a very narrow and small path. And he looked a little bit further down and he saw another goat going up on the very same narrow and thin path. And there wasn't enough room for these two goats to both fit on this path. And they're both heading in different directions. This is going to be interesting, right? This is what he's thinking. How many of you have been around goats before? We used to go to a zoo or to a petting zoo, and we would have the carriage because there was a lot of kids in our family. And the goats would stand up on the back of it and walk the carriage around like this. It was pretty funny. But the goats would also try to ram and headbutt us, right? Have you ever seen goats do that? They're kind of ornery creatures. And, and so I'm sure he's expecting them to be a big fight, and they get up near each other. And then they draw back, and it looks like there's gonna, one of them's going to charge. And the one that's on the lower end gets down and lays down flat and the other goat walks over the top of it and then they both go on their way there are times 
where you're going to have disagreements in marriage. There are times where you're going to have disagreements in other relationships. That's how you get past it. That's how you lay down your life. And you think about Jesus did this first and foremost. He laid down his life for us. And he is the bridge that gets us to God the Father. He is the bridge that gets us to salvation. There is no other way except through the sacrifice of Christ. And if Jesus was bold, brave, and humble enough to do it, you think he calls us to do it in our marriage. But that's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. But it's what we're called to. It's what God has called us to. The best way to know God's will is to say, I will to God. And so when we read his word, we can say, well, I, I really just, I wish I knew the will of God in this situation. I'm telling you, this is the will of God through Christ Jesus. And, and God's will is written for us over and over again in what we're to do and how we're to live. But until we say, I will to God, until we submit our hearts to God, we can't be the proper husbands. We can't be the proper leaders. We can't be where we're supposed to be. We can't be the proper wife or the proper husband until we say, I will to God. Jim Elliott said it this way. Jim Elliott was a missionary who was killed, but also that death spawned a whole new evangelism into that area and and, and thousands of people were saved. He said it this way. He said, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. Uh, I think too often in our lives we push and we push for what we think is the best instead of seeking God and trying to figure out what he has for us. So on your, on your notes, if you pull those out, I'm going to go over this very quickly. How many of you said, I do, when you got married? Yep, that's mostly what we do. This is the I will, okay? Because <laughs> sometimes when we say I do, we think it's done. But this is the I will. And it's, it's a code of respect. It's a code of understanding. It's a submission to each other. We will greet and acknowledge each other. So when you come home, greet and acknowledge each other. This is really simple stuff, but I think if you do this, if you put this into play and action, it'll help you out. We will greet and acknowledge each other. We will say please and thank you. Is that good? And we agree that that may be good for your, your husband or your wife. We will treat each other as equals. I want to go back to we will say please and thank you just for a brief moment. Kim Lehman called me out last week because... I did something. She's, she's bowing her head. We're, we're here in the morning for practice, and Emily's in the back, and she says, hey, Ben, or Ben. And I said, what? <laughs> and Kim goes, is that how you talk to your wife? <laughs> you say, yes, dear. <laughs> you say, yes, honey. And I was like, you're right, Kim, you're right. So it, it, it comes across in her attitude, you know, and I could say, well, I didn't have enough coffee yet, Kim. And that was true, but it didn't make it right. Yeah, get up earlier. There's always an excuse, right? We will say please and thank you. This is just generally having compassion for each other, treating each other well. We will treat each other as equals. I think this is really important. We'll respect each other, really. So number four, what does this say here? We will be direct and sensitive to each other. See, sometimes we say things. We're direct, but we're not sensitive. We're not really watching for the response. We're not approaching it in a sensitive way. We will address conflict with civility immediately. 
Civility is becoming lost. That means we won't fight, we won't argue, we won't yell at each other, we won't say pow, bam, to the moon. Uh, we won't say someday, Alice. Uh, we're going to be nice to each other. Six, we will ask for forgiveness. Ooh. We need to ask for forgiveness sometimes. I, I want you to know your kids are watching your marriage. And um, if you do something that's out of line and they know it, they may just put it that in the back of their little mind bank and think about it later. But ask for forgiveness. And if something happens in front of the kids, ask for forgiveness in front of the kids. And, and number seven, we will give forgiveness. I, I think we need to do some things in order to maintain. And, and obviously, uh, Scripture has a lot to talk about that, and it tells us to give up ourselves. And we will and can because Jesus already did. You see, your marriage should preach Jesus. Your marriage should preach Jesus. And at times, it's without saying a word. But the gospel should be brought about because of your marriage. It should just come out of your marriage naturally. You should have a gospel-centered marriage. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your help in, in these issues. And, and Lord, some of us aren't married. Some of us are, are just kids, and that's going to be a ways off. But help even now prepare our hearts for, for that for that life together, that living together type of thing, because it's, it, it's tremendously fun at times, and it's, it can be so exciting, and, and other times it can be difficult, and it's hard to understand each other. But Lord, you're calling us together through it all, to go through it together through it all, to weather the storms, and, and to make you the center of our marriage, to, to put self-denial in there, and to realize that, that leadership, even in our marriage, is setting ourselves aside and seeing what God's good and perfect will is for us. Lord, we pray that we'd be able to do that. We really would be able to make you the center, that you would be what we're built upon, what our relationships are built upon, that you, Jesus, would be what our whole life is built upon, and we would deny ourselves and pick up our cross and walk daily with you. Lord, help us to do that together with our spouse. Help us to do that and live that out with our marriage. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that this message will help guide you toward positive, Christ-centered change. By reviewing this podcast, you could be part of spreading the good news. Please also consider giving a donation to our ministry at cometoabc.com slash giving. As always, these messages are available to copy and share on social networks. Until next time, continue to grow in Jesus.